how do you recover? <laughs> um, we're in the book of Revelation, and we, we literally have been navigating through what we would call the divine outline given to us in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. John on the island of Patmos was given the instruction to write the things which he had seen, the things which are, and the things which would be hereafter. And we saw in chapter 1 the things that he had seen, the resurrected Christ. We are now in the midst of the second section, of you, if you will, of the divine outline, the things that are. And we have seven letters from Jesus Christ himself to the churches, or the church, if you will. And we've seen already now four of these letters. And as we've looked at these letters, each of the letters seem to have seven distinct parts contained within them. And each of the letters have a minimum of four applications. And so by way of reminder, those applications are, there was a particular church that the letter was written to. And so each of these seven letters were written to a very particular church. And Jesus had something very specific to say to that church. Then there is this second application, which is panoramic, in that these letters are written to all churches. Certainly all of the churches in the first century, which there were many more than seven. We could go through the book of Acts and we could identify many, many other churches that were already established churches. Not only in the first century, but every century up to and including right now. There is an application of these seven personal letters by Jesus Christ himself for our fellowship as a whole. In its totality. And I will tell you, as pastors... And the elders, we are looking at what is it that the Lord would say to us? What would his report card be of us in relationship to what he is saying to the churches, ours included? The third application is personally. As part of the body of Christ... I am one of the living stones. If your faith is in Jesus Christ today, you are one of the living stones that make up the body of Christ. And Jesus Christ has something very personal to say to every one of us individually, personally. And so as we navigate through these letters, what is it that the Spirit of God through His written Word, is saying to you and I. And it's our responsibility to respond to the Lord in obedience. Time and time and time again, He has reminded us to repent. To repent. To make change in our lives. When God the Holy Spirit points out sin in our lives as followers of Christ, yes, we hear the message of Martin Luther and Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. The just shall live by faith. Faith alone. It is justification by faith. We are born again and we have been cleansed of all our sin, past, present, and future. We're justified in the eyes of God and yet we are called to live holy 
We are called to live pure. And so when God the Holy Spirit convicts our hearts in relationship to the application of Scripture in our lives, and we identify, hey, that's sin in my life. It's our responsibility to respond to the Lord in obedience. Last week I said it's a dangerous place when our knowledge exceeds our willingness to obey. Dangerous place. Listen, if you're living in sin... This is the safest place that you'll hear about it. The safest. The scripture reminds us, be sure your sin will what? Find you out. Find you out. What's done in secret will be yelled from the rooftops. And so, let's keep short accounts. If the Holy Spirit's pointing at that thing, hey, confess it. Let's clear the slates in the name of Jesus. You say, wow, Pastor Dave, that was like both barrels in about five minutes. (laughs) But how desperately the body of Christ needs to hear as we have seen. Well, we're navigating into chapter 3. And last week as we looked at chapter 2, we saw that really a permissive church with Pergamos came to a polluted church at Thalatira, and now we're moving into Sardis. And Sardis is really a post-mortem church. It's dead. Dead. And so, the fourth application is prophetic. It's a prophetic view. We are looking back now at these seven letters and they represent seven epics of church history. And we've moved from the apostolic age. We've moved into the Antinacian age. We've moved all the way through to up now we are in this post-Reformation time from about 1563 from the Council of Trent to about 1700, or the 17th century, which is really about 1801, if I get that right. Maybe 1701, excuse me. And so this time period would be representative of the church. And here's the thing we've seen. In each of the addresses by Jesus to those churches, he has named them by name. And in every name, there was something significant about the name. And the character of the church. Here's the interesting thing. The name Sardis, 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 its origin is actually unknown. It's like we don't even know what its origin is. I mean, it's a, there's a red stone, the Sardian. And here's the thing. It's like a name that's been forgotten because it's dead. How interesting that we really don't even know what the name means. Because it seemingly is already gone. When people die, it seems as though often they are forgotten by most. Family members, of course, will remember. But you get a couple generations away and no one remembers those who have gone before us, or very few. That's the kind of the condition that Sardis, Sardis. And he says, you have a name that you're alive, but you are dead dead. And last week as we looked at that that segment of history from about 600 AD to 1500 AD, 
Thaltyra, that was those Middle Ages, the Medieval Ages, and the church was absolutely polluted. They came out of that objectionable marriage and came into a polluted state. And the body of Christ was absolutely polluted. I mean, horrific things were being introduced into what is now known as Catholicism, and they were anti-biblical teachings and being embraced. And so now we come, and I said after last week, I said, hey, if you think we beat up on Catholicism, be sure to come this morning because we'll beat up on Protestantism this morning. So get ready for the little beating, so to speak, because we're all part of that Protestant movement, if you will. But here's the thing. The post-Reformation, those reformers, those early guys, guys like Martin Luther, Jonathan Huss, and some of the others, they were on fire for Jesus. And here's the thing. As a result, and if you would do, if you would take time to just study a little bit of church history, you would find that all of the reformers were burned at the stake. Burned at the stake because they made a stand for what was true. They made a stand for the Word of God. They made a stand for doctrine. Those things that the Word of God taught. And they made a stand. So, I would like to pick up and we've gone over uh, a number of the, the things each week covering. Uh, the letter to the Ephesus was that apostolic age. The letter to Smyrna, the Antinocene age. The letter to the Pergamum, the Antiquity age. Thyatira, that was kind of an axial age. Today, Sardis is the after-reform age, if you will. And each one has been given a number of uh, admonishments, if you will, and we're trying to make application in our lives today with those admonishments. I'd like to give you just a little bit of history on Sardis, and I'm not going to, I don't want to take a whole lot of time here because our time will be short on Sunday morning. Please, please come. In fact, let me make mention, come Sunday evenings where we go verse by verse through this portion of scripture. Verse by verse through the entire book of Revelation we will be doing. And so we try and cover a chapter a week. We don't generally get there, but we're almost in sync. But tonight, tonight is a different night, 6 o'clock. We are setting aside an hour and a half to pray and to worship Jesus together. There are many things that we need as a fellowship to be praying about. We need to be praying for our missionaries. We need to be praying for the gospel going forth. Can I say this? We need to be praying for the church, the church of Jesus Christ right here in North Clackamas. We need to be praying for our fellowship. I'm so excited that our fellowship is alive, is alive. The work of Jesus is in our midst, and we want to pray and continue that the work of Christ continues. Can I just say real quickly, this past week has been amazing. It's been amazing. We've had a number of outreaches. We've had a number of Bible studies that have spontaneously begun. There's a Monday night Bible study happening right here. One of our brothers in the church. And there are literally tens and twenties of teenagers and young adults coming and giving their hearts to Jesus. It's absolutely amazing. We have now launched a Bible study down at Western Oregon University. I was there this past Wednesday night. 22 young adults on fire for Jesus. And they were even ignited in a greater measure that this is their generation. They need to go get them. Go get them. 
They're like, we got to figure out ways to go tell people about Jesus. And they were just like, we got to do this thing. They named their name, and underneath their name, their, the name of their group is The Word, and their verse is in Acts. That just It's that portion of Acts chapter 2 where it says, and the Lord added to their numbers daily. I'm like, come on, that's faith. That's so big. And they have another Bible study on Wednesday down at Oregon State University. And we got a contingent that drives down to Eugene every Thursday. And we're discipling some brand new believers. And this Bible study at Eugene is beginning to explode. And we're like, God, you're doing some amazing stuff. Friday night. Friday night, like two nights ago. Our chapel at Clackamas High School. Pastor Matt shared chapel. About 35 young men and coaches in this room. And he invited them to receive Christ if they have not received Christ and they would like to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. 20 football players raised their hand and one coach raised their hand. And then he said, I don't, yeah, amen, it's huge. He said, I'm not asking you just to raise your hand. I want you to stand. Will you make a stand for Jesus? And I'll tell you, one of the first ones to stand was that coach. He just popped right up. Boom, I'm up. And I'm let, and then those, those boys started popping up all over the room. I was like, come on. And then he said, hey, and the rest of you, if you're already trusting Jesus, will you stand with your brothers? And then psh, everybody in the room stands. I'm like, what is this? It's just good. God's doing a work, and it's amazing. And here's another thing. We went from that chapel service at 5 o'clock We had already invited the other high school to meet Clackamas football in the end zone in a voluntary pregame prayer together. And they all came together at 640, took a knee, and they prayed the Lord's Prayer together with one another. Challenged after the game, after the contest, to meet in the middle of the field and to give thanks to the one who has given them the ability to play. And I will tell you, it was so epic to see a couple of students run over as that other team already began to gather with their coaches. These two players ran over and said, hey, we got this prayer thing in the middle. And they brought them, and the whole team flooded. And the, I mean, there was, uh, there was 200 people in the middle of the uh, field. And two, two players standing in the middle, one from one team, one from the other. And they, they just like, hey, get a hand on another person. And coaches just began to bow their knees and people's heads dropping, family members all around. And they just, they just began to give thanks. They started praying out loud, just giving thanks to Jesus. It's so powerful. And I think, man, praise God. There's things happening. God is moving. So thanks be to God. Yeah, praise the Lord. So here's the thing. And all that, come back on Sunday nights, bring your young people, but tonight is a different night. We want to pray, pray, pray for the body of Christ right here in our community. God is on the move. God is on the move. So come tonight. Normally, we're doing our verse-by-verse study, and our youth are normally meeting, but we'll all be together tonight. So you come and be a part of that. Now, uh, let's dive in, and I'm going to read the scripture, and we're going to... It's, it's a sermon and a sentence in many respects, but we're going to, let's, let's look at what God would have to say to us. Six, six verses, chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. 
Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now I got a lot of notes here, and we're just gonna we're just gonna leave those right there for now. Here's, <laughs> Here's what I believe that God would be saying to us as a fellowship. First of all, it's keen to me that you will find the address name or names three times in these six verses. The first time he says, I know your works, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. You have a name that you are alive, but dead. The Greek word for name here is anoma. Anoma. The Latin, later after this Greek, the Latin is what, the Latin derivative of this is where we get our word denomination. Denomination. And it was the reformers that sought to bring the people back to the Word of God. But it was the post-reformers that began to establish denominations. And they had a very loose hermeneutical discipline in the interpretation of Scripture, and they began to introduce non-biblical truth. That's not really truth at all. Not believing in the millennial reign of Christ. And a number, not believing in the rapture of the church, which the scripture bears out clearly. And they began to introduce doctrine that was false doctrine. And the church carrying its name, began to hold to traditions rather than truth. And as a result, Jesus says in the totality of the church, from the Catholicism that was going on during that period, and let me tell you, when the Reformation started after the Council of Trent, We've already seen early on in the first century and the second century and the third century the persecution under the Roman government. Wow! Absolutely unbearable with millions of Christians crucified, burned, Time goes by, Christianity becomes legalized, if you will, 325 A.D., and a time of 
confusion in the Middle Ages, and we come now to this Reformation. And unfortunately, after the Council of Trent in 1563, the bloodiest time of church history ensued. Again, millions of Christians would lose their lives in wars between Catholics and those protesting the false teachings of the church, the Protestants. Today, we hear of Protestants and Catholicism, and we don't necessarily remember the major conflict between the two. But if one would do a diligent study during this era from about 1560 all the way through the 17th and 18th, the beginning of the 18th century, terrible, terrible things in the name of God amongst the people of God. Tragic. You have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. I think there's a warning in there. I think there's a warning for America there. In a survey across America, are you a Christian? I'm a Christian. With people not even understanding what that means. Claiming a name that bears life, but from God's perspective is dead. Ouch. That's a reality. And I think it's important enough to Jesus to make a point. You have a name that is alive, but you, in fact, are dead. Now, I'm thankful that he gets down a little further and he says there, are a, there is a remnant. And I believe that we're part of that remnant. We are alive. We have a name and we hold fast to the name. That's why he has said time and time again, hold fast my name. And we've talked about what it means to hold fast the name of the Lord. And here's what I want. I just think that the Spirit of God would be saying this to us as as believers. As we claim to be Christian, as we claim to be followers of Christ, the question must be asked individually. How is that being defined in my life? Words... Remember, Jesus said, their lips are near me, but their hearts are far from me. He said of the Pharisees, they are whitewashed sepulchers. They're clean on the outside, but there's dead man's bones on the inside. God forbid that that would be a reflection of what is happening in your life or in mine. I am a follower of Jesus. Now, my life should back that up. How I live should be demonstrating the lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. When the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, will you listen or will you deny? That matters. It matters. And so my challenge to all of us today from the Word of God is we must hold fast His name. I'm claiming to be a follower of Christ. That makes me Christ's ambassador. I'm no longer representing Dave Morris. 
Dave Moore, so to speak, is dead and has been raised anew. And now I am a follower of Jesus. And like those in Antioch who were first called Christians, they were called Christians because the people said, these folks clearly have been with Jesus. They're little Christs. They're just like Jesus. That should be the reputation of the body of Christ. These folks are just like Jesus. But when the world can make no distinction between the way we live and the way they live, there's a problem in the house. But I think the Lord wants to refresh us and remind us we're on a mission. We're on a mission. And we have only one mission. This one. It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God. He said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That's our mission. Am I about that mission? And I would say, if we're not about that mission personally, get on board. Listen, listen, I'm going I'm I'm to touch on a couple of things because I think it's important. I, I Believe me, I understand everybody, we have a, a responsibility for our families to bring, you know, and make sure we have vittles on the table and make sure we have a covering on our house and we have blankets and so forth and so on. But remember, who's our provider? It's the Lord. It's the Lord. When it comes to your stewardship and my stewardship, we put the Lord first and we honor the Lord and we honor His Word. In the area of stewardship, again, it's about the kingdom. God, listen. When God enables you and I to produce more finance, it's not so we can buy more toys. Are you with me? It's so we can do more in the kingdom of God. It's so we can do more in the kingdom of God. Because listen, Jesus said, don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy. You won't see a U-Haul behind the hearst. You can't take it with you. I mean, that's the real deal. We can't. I mean, I, I get it. I like nice things too. But at the end of the day, it's all fuel for the fire. Because it's all going to burn. It's all burning. Peter tells us, the elements are going to melt with fervent heat. And everything will be consumed. Whoosh! It's gone. We spend our lifetime accumulating stuff. And that's just all going to burn. So here's what I'm saying. Put the Lord first. Listen, when the scripture says bring the tithe into the house, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, understand this, please. And please hear my heart. Tithing was before the law in the Old Testament. It was through the law. And it's in the New Testament. Jesus affirmed it. He said to the Pharisees, you tithe of the mint and the cumin and the aniseed, and you do well. I want you to understand what the tithe is. The tithe is the first 10% of all of your increase. We are encouraged to bring the tithe into the storehouse. So this is the storehouse. It's the kingdom. And so here's what I'm saying. People say, I really don't like talking about money. And I'll be, tell- I'll be the first one to tell you, I'm a pastor who doesn't like to talk about money. 
But the good news is I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about the Lord's money. Right? Right? So if you're keeping back the tithe, you're stealing from the Lord. The Bible says, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay. So all that to say, honor the Lord with the first fruits. We also ask you to involve yourself in missions because we have a global assignment. It's kingdom. We are sending missionaries out. It's so cool. We, we really, this next year with our missionaries, we want to be collecting gifts, love offerings, and then sending someone with the gift to them on the field to deliver the gift directly to them so that they get 100% of the, of the work and the ability to do the work with those dollars that come in. Just like they did in the New Testament when Epaphrodites met up with Paul and said, hey, I brought a gift from the church of Thessalonica. And here's the stuff. And he just hands it over to Paul. Paul's like, wow, praise God. Wouldn't that be fun? I mean, to show up, knock on the door of the missionary, say, hey, (laughs) here, and just bless them. We want you to be involved in that because we are seeing thousands of people come to Christ globally. Our missionaries, Doug and Mike Green, they just left about a week and a half ago. Their last nine months in Vietnam, 3,100 plus people gave their hearts to Jesus. They were all given Bibles. They were all connected up with a local pastor. And they're all growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise be to God. It's good stuff. So this is just a little nutshell. I got way off track. That's why I'm supposed to use notes. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. We bear his name. We are Christ's ambassadors. And God is making his appeal to the world through us. Be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That's the message. That's our assignment. God help you and I. May a spirit of boldness fall on our church like never before. Every one of us. That everywhere we go, we're just Jesus freaks. To be a Jesus freak. Everywhere we go. To proclaim the gospel. The gospel. The gospel. If you're building your reputation, and believe me, I spent a good portion of my life working on my reputation. In some places in my life today, I'm still working on my reputation. And you know what? I'm trying to die to that. We got to die to that because it isn't about us. I can save no one. God can save all men. The power of the Spirit. And I, so I got to die. I must decrease, he must increase, John the Baptist said. That's one thing I saw that was keen. He says, be watchful. I agree. He said, be watchful. It's keen that he said this to the church in Sardis. If you understood the history and where Sardis was, Sardis, on three sides of the city, which was a walled city, there were 1,000 to 1,100-foot cliffs on three sides of it, and there was only one entrance into, into Sardis. It was an, an impenetrable fortress. And the valley below, when the, when, the, when the war would come their way, they would all go up the hill, and they would come down that one path, come into the city, and close the gates. And those warring groups that would come up against them, and believe me, it was Cyrus the Great... 
In 549 B.C., after his conquest in Babylon, came to Sardis, encamping around, looking up, saying, How are we going to do this, boys? There's no way. The wall was closed. They were impenetrable. Then one night, history bears this out. Then one night, a watchman on the wall, a Sardinian, Sardinian, they were all packed in tight. (laughs) He's up on the wall. And removing his helmet, he dropped his helmet, hits the top of the wall, and falls over. And part of the Persian battalion saw it. And the next morning... They went and the helmet was missing. And they knew there was another way in. Because they were watching the front door and no one came out the front door. And that guy had his hat again. So they went and they examined the wall and identified that there was a way up. So the very next night, they went up, scaled the wall, came inside and took Sardis over in one night. Here's the thing. You'd think that after the Persians were out of control and Sardis became a city again, a valiant city again, that they would have learned from their mistake. But in the 200 B.C.s, early, like 219, I think it is, another group came in. And the exact same thing is recorded. A soldier on the wall dropped his hat, fell over the wall. They realized the helmet was gone in the morning. They went and inspected the walls, found the place, scaled up the walls, took the city in one night. And Jesus is saying to us, be watchful. You see, your enemy and my enemy, our adversary, the devil, is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And many of us in the room today have blind spots in our lives. Blind spots. And we do okay, but sometimes we drop our equipment, the armor of God. And the enemy finds a weakness in our life. And he comes in to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus is reminding us today, be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain. Listen, strengthen the things that remain. You already know what your weakness is. Everyone in this room already knows what your weakness is. You know. You know what causes you to fall into sin. You know the things in your own carnal nature that you are dragged away and enticed by. As James reminds us, each one of us is dragged away and enticed by our own evil desires. We know And he's saying, fortify that. Fortify that. Men, listen to me. And women, listen to me. Men, very specifically. Fellas, if you have a wandering eye, you need to get blinders on. 
If you are a married man or a single man and you can't keep your eyes off the opposite sex, set up boundaries for yourself. Get blinders on. Learn how to turn your eyes. Bounce your eyes. You, fellas, ladies, you got to understand something. Guys are built different than you. And the things that work in their noggin are different than the things that work in your noggin. A guy will identify a female runner uh, like five, ten miles away. It's just something up there and they're like, what was that? I'm just telling you how it is. The believer has the mind of Christ. Listen to me, fellas. The believer has the mind of Christ. We have authority over our flesh. We do not have to be defeated by our flesh. We do not have to be dragged away and enticed to look again. Keep your eyes on the prize. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Start worshiping the Lord when temptation comes up. Worship Jesus. Tell someone you're struggling. Find accountability. Gentlemen, if you are engaged in looking at pornography on the internet, protect yourself, protect your family. Protect yourself and protect your family. There is internet software that will protect your computer from allowing any of that in its portal. Most of them are set up with an accountability scenario so that if one of those sites is even referenced, an email will go out to your two accountability partners. Here's the beauty. It's free. It's free. There's not a man in this room that should not have every device protected. You say, well, I'm strong. Did you hear what Jesus said? Strengthen that which remains. Fortify it. Build up the guard. Establish boundaries so it will never be a place you can go. My accountability partner, that guy right there, my other son, and my wife. Boom. Safe. Safe. Wives, uh, somebody posted on social media this last week, an empty history browser is a dirty history browser. Are you listening to me? Now, I'm not trying to create conflict on the home. I'm trying to create strength in a marriage, integrity and character in a marriage. Now, women... There's stuff in yours, agenda, I mean, your, your box too. I don't know what it is, because I'm not a gal. But we all need to fortify that which remains. Strengthen our character. Strengthen our integrity. Strengthen our resolve when it comes to the Word of God. And to have victory over the wiles of the devil. So everyone in this church, get protected fortify. And I'll say this, husbands and wives, do it. 
do it as your pastor, as your brother in Christ. Protect yourself. Here's the thing. Have the conversation. Get it set. And listen, if there's stuff and there's a history and there's a past, start today. Don't go back. Just start today. We're going to put this on our computer. It doesn't you know, recall all that stuff in the past and say, oh, look what you did yesterday. It doesn't do that. You just start today. And you don't even have to necessarily have the conversation about what happened in the past. Today. Because there's grace and there's mercy. And the, but just strengthen yourselves for the future. Every one of the boys in your home and the women in your home should be protected. I know that's how it was in my house. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on this one area. Believe me, it is an area, though, that is plaguing the church plaguing and we can have victory in Jesus other areas of weakness could be materialism could be anger could be uh, uh, you fill in the blank fortify that area if you don't know how to fortify that area will you call us write it on a card we'll get in touch with you we want to we want to strengthen ourselves in the Lord amen amen I mean, don't we all want to walk in absolute victory in Jesus? Come on, I do. Praise God, I believe we do. Okay, well, page two, page three. (laughs) The promise, verse five, he who overcomes shall be clothed in a white garment, in white garments. Thanks be to God. To be clothed. The Bible says we are more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. In Christ. Not overcomer in me. Overcomer in Christ. And he says this. I will not blot his name out of my book. I think it's keen that it should be noted that names can be blotted out. That's big. And I'm going to tell you something. People say, well, don't you believe in eternal security? The answer is yes. In mine. Because I'm doing this. So I can feel eternally secure in the Lord. So what you believe, Dave, is you can lose your salvation. Yes. Because I believe the word. Now, all that to be said, I think it would be very difficult. But he does tell the church in Thyatira, if they don't repent, they're going to go on to a hotbed of tribulation. And they're going to pass through, I believe, the great tribulation. And so I don't want to be in that group. When the trumpet sounds, I want to be with the group that goes up. Amen? So we must follow the instruction of the Lord. Repent. Okay. And he says to the overcomer, white garment, won't blot your name out. I'll confess you before my Father. Come on. Now here's the thing. If we will confess Christ before man... Christ will confess us before his Father. Praise God. And the angels. I love that. So, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Um, Those two thoughts. Don't hold onto a name like Christian. Maybe your parents or it's cliche in this group to be a Christian and banking on the name. Remember, Jesus is the one who said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will in that day be saved. 
Be Christ's ambassadors. Own that relationship with the Lord and develop that relationship with the Lord. It's personal. Jesus wants to just, he wants, he wants to be our friend. He wants to be our Lord. He wants to bless and he wants to, he wants to, it's, it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Praise be to God. So let's not operate on the lulls of our parents or just being a claiming to be a Christian. Let's be Christ followers. Amen. And let's be watchful. Let's be watchful. I think that's the two, the two encouragements this morning for us. Be watchful. Be watchful. Everybody feel like, just kind of rub your cheeks like this. Say, ow. <laughs> ow. Guy came to church and I kind of went out like, ow. But it's okay. It's okay. Because I want you to know something. In my preparation, I'm like, ow. Oh, this is it's a it's the word of God for all of us, for all of us. And Jesus is coming soon. It's, it's not time to be playing around. It's, we're not playing church. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So let's be let's let's be the body of Christ. Let's be His ambassadors. Let's be a representation like those twenty-one boys who gave their hearts to Christ on Friday night. They're going to be in church. They're going to be in church. Let's, let's show them what it means to be Jesus' people, in love with God, and repentant, and not, not, not pretending. You, you know what I'm saying? Let's not pretend. Let's be genuine. People are looking for genuine, aren't they? They're looking for real. That's why we say, man, we're believing God. We really are believing God. And we're trusting God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, by way of benediction I'm going to try this Pastor Dennis you should turn the recorder off (laughs) by way of benediction can we just sing that old hymn and we'll just kind of do that one stanza I'm going to do the best to remember I'm not preparing this just in my heart victory in Jesus can we do that Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me there, I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Father, we love you. We receive the implanted word. Lord, to the church in Sardis, you said, I am the one who holds the seven spirits and the seven messengers. It's the totality of the Holy Spirit, and it's your messengers to the church. Thank you, Lord, that you're in charge. You are the king, and we want to listen and respond to you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask your benediction and blessing as we go from this place. Thank you, Father. We love you. And everyone said a strong amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Go in the strength and power of Christ. God bless. And be sure to come back tonight at 6 o'clock for prayer and praise. God bless you.